politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, to the one and only CR podcast here at Blaze TV on this fine Monday, March 8th. I can't believe it. It is already March 8th, 2021. We are now a full year, a full year into the tyranny. It's truly surreal how quickly time flies, not in a good way in this case, but this is pretty much the week, this week, next week, when the 15 days to flatten the curve began, the second great American revolution, except it's not too great. It's the revolution that countermanded the principles and the results of that first revolution. Have we learned anything? Have we learned any lessons over the past year of losing our freedom? Do we still even value freedom a year later? So we're going to explore this and so much more. There's stuff going on at our border being invaded. The Floyd trial is going to be very important. I'm actually going to want to cover that a little bit if I have time over the next week because... Let's face it, folks, this is really, really important. Really, really important. Are we now past the point of no return where even in the court system as it relates to individual criminal cases, a person cannot get justice and we're going to have street justice? So we're going to find that out this week. We got tons of stuff going on in the state legislatures and we got the fascism still continuing. We have the fallout from Congress passing the next stimulus bill and what that means and where we're headed with that. We always have so much more news on the science and math of the lies behind this virus, what we should have done a year ago and what we didn't do instead that didn't work. And of course, of course, as we head into year two of this, the more the data becomes clear, the more the psychosis really gets worse every day. There is no herd immunity for herd mentality, my friends. And that's what we need to realize. There's no vaccine. There's no cure. We just have to take our own destiny in our own hands. We are not going to convince those people. You know, literally, as I'm talking now, a representative from Idaho just... uh, um, text me we passed our transmittal date because I was asking her if uh, they could introduce a bill to make ivermectin and hydroxy over the counter hey we just passed our transmittal date and our chairman for health and welfare has hardly heard any hearings he's against shutting the govern- governor's powers down so we're going to go through some of these states but first before I introduce our opening part of the show. And you're going to need either blood pressure medication or you're going to need some wine. A lot of people ask me how I live without just blowing up, seeing the truth, understanding where it's coming from, and watching really no troops on the ground helping us to fight the war. It is maddening. That's why I drink wine. But how about conservativewine.com? I want to introduce you guys to Bonner's Private Wine Partnership. Um, obviously, most people like to drink drink wine once in a while, but conservativewine.com will give you wine that is 10 times healthier. Down in Argentina, they make this really dark red wine from Malbec grapes grown at 9,000 feet in the Andes. They've lab-tested these wines and found that they contain up to 10 times the level of longevity and heart-health nutrient called resveratrol. Keep flubbing that name. Resveratrol is a powerful stuff. Pops up again and again in studies on longevity, heart health, and brain health. The wines also have 90% less sugar, fewer chemicals, fewer additives. It's also great to barbecue steaks with as well in addition to actually drinking during the meal. Um, the taste is great. has notes of blackberry, leather, cherry, and smoke. Today, the guys at conservativewine.com are giving you 50% off their best Malbecs. 
and you also get 50% off on shipping. Makes a great gift as well. So just visit conservativewine.com today. You can't miss that URL, conservativewine.com for 50% off. Now, I wish you guys had some wine in your hands to hear this. And some of you might have seen it already, but... I mean, when you think you couldn't make a parody that better depicts the perfidy of our government against the American citizenry, well, it gets worse than we ever thought. Worse than we ever thought. ICE. ICE just put out a statement on Friday announcing the creation of of the ICE case review process for individuals who believe their case does not align with ICE's enforcement, detention, and removal priorities. You got that right. So we have the law that illegal aliens have to be removed. Biden invites them to come here and announces he's not going to deport anyone. Then he takes it to the next level and now says... If you believe you're wrongly being removed, not pursuant to my priorities, here is a whole process where you could call, basically call a foul on ICE. This process continues efforts to further the development of an orderly immigration system that treats individuals humanely while ensuring national security, border security, and public safety. The ICR process offers another channel through which non-citizens and their representatives can request that ICE exercise its prosecutorial discretion on a particular non-citizen's behalf and to resolve questions and concerns consistent with law policy and the interest of justice. Individuals requesting a detention case review should contact their local ERO field office for initial consideration. Upon request, cases will be further reviewed by a senior reviewing official who, where appropriate, will communicate the ultimate resolution with the request tour. Folks, we have American citizens, businessmen, being locked down, being served with bench warrants for exercising their rights. Yet we have executive orders and these royal edicts. And there's no process being set up for those American businessmen and their lawyers to call a flag on enforcement priorities for those COVID fascist edicts. No, no, no. In fact, it's quite hard to even get a lawyer if you're one of those businessmen. But of course, if you're an illegal alien, you could break in and you could make the ICE agents the criminals and put them up for review. Are you properly exercising your prosecutorial discretion? Wouldn't we all love that? Wouldn't we all love that? To be able to go around and say, hey, I don't think you're exercising your prosecutorial discretion properly. Americans, Trump supporters that are being held without bail for nothing but trespassing a public building, some of whom didn't even make it in the building. Nope, they can't say, look, is this really in line with your enforcement priorities? But illegal aliens have that process. You tell me this is a legitimate government that derives its power from the rule of law and from the people? You tell me this is a government for which Jefferson didn't have in mind that we have an obligation to abolish it. That's just the reality. But while this thought is fresh in your mind, I want to read to you a story from the HollandSentinel.com in, in Michigan. We want to, we're talking about immigration, but in this case, we're talking about illegal immigrants. And really what we're talking about nowadays is straight-up invaders. That's really what they are. So they have super rights. They are first-class citizens. Let me give you another tale of an immigrant, another immigrant story here. Following a court hearing from Marlena's Bistro and Pizzeria in Holland, Michigan, a judge ordered a bench warrant be issued for the restaurant owner. The hearing was scheduled to determine whether a temporary restraining order issued by the court Thursday, February 25th would result in the preliminary injunction because the owner continues to flout state and judicial orders. Once arrested, Marlena Pavlos Hackney 
will remain incarcerated unless she complies with the order to cease operations until she obtain a valid food license. Marlena's food license was suspended in January by the Michigan Department of Ag after Pavlos Hackney failed to close her dining room in compliance with the statewide two-and-a-half-month shutdown for in-person dining in restaurants. Pavlos Hackney also refused to enforce mask wearing and social distancing guidelines put in place to limit the spread of COVID-19. Now, let me just tell you, who is Marlena Pavlos Hackney? Okay? She is an immigrant from Poland who escaped communism. And she winds up in America facing communism. And I don't even think communists did this. Not, not this much, like completely shut someone down. Maybe they taxed them a lot. You see, those are the type of immigrants that the elites do not want. People from Eastern Europe escaping communism who come here to open a business. No, then, then they're going to shut it down. But if you're an illegal invader with no skills, eating up so much money of, of American taxpayers, you get a taxpayer review process to ensure that the law is not being followed on your behalf. That juxtaposition is something that you, you, you put it together, what's going on at the border, what's going on with the COVID fascism, and you're like, where is the conservative media? They're all talking about Megan and whatever the guy's Prince Harry or something today, and whatever garbage they could find, that's what they discuss. All these Republican elected officials... They're out to lunch. They're nowhere. You know, we talked last week about how we shouldn't let our guard down thinking the dominoes will fall and we don't have to fight COVID fascism anymore in the state legislatures because, you know, the governors are starting to get the message. You know, it turned out even that was even that was uh, too optimistic. Way too optimistic. Indeed, aside from the Texas and Mississippi governors, no other governor really fell in line. The Alabama governor doubled down on it, the mask mandate. And I don't see the legislature with supermajorities doing anything there. The West Virginia governor went out there and said, we need to do this more prudently. We're not doing this. Ohio governor, of course, DeWine doubled down. Holcomb doubled down. And then in Oklahoma and Idaho, they never had a state mandate, but they do have a, um, you know, a, a local mandates. So they didn't get rid of them. The Arkansas governor claims to want to get rid of it by the end of the month, but who knows? He might find some excuse not to. And even then, I don't know if he'll go after the individual, um, you know, the individual localities. This is where we are. We're not even at the point. See, I was saying, look, you know, you, you have to permanently codify into law that they can't do this in the future. But this is not even the future. They are still stuck on that stuff. And every state, I'm running across this problem. They already passed the point of time when they could even introduce legislation. So the governor could legislate 365 days a week, 365 days a week, a year. <laughs> I'm losing my mind here. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And the legislature could only meet a couple months of the year, but even then, only the first few weeks of the session can they introduce legislation. Because I was trying to push an idea. I'm like, if you're telling me that we have to lock people down or mask people because COVID's such a danger, then we should make ivermectin and hydroxy over the counter because it actually works. But no. Oh, we can't do it. Same problem in Wyoming. Wyoming. The state of Wyoming. You think you'd go there for freedom. They have a statewide mass mandate that the governor is not getting rid of. Mark Gordon. He should rot in hell. Where are the primary challenges? Where are the organizations? Where's the conservative media? It's not ending. They're all like dancing around. Yay, look at the red states. Yay. 
Like all these nerdy like commentators that, mind you, never bother to fight it for the first year. And now they think we won. No, we didn't win. And even in the few states that they did, tell me where you could live normally. See, it's a one-way street. When they have a governor's order for fascism, boom, all the dominoes fall and there's nothing we can do. When they say, let's take it off, no, the left does what they want. Texas, I'm getting a lot of complaints from you guys and keep it coming. I'm going to have this out in an article today, but Frisco Independent School District, this is a little bit north of Plano, I guess, but basically in North Dallas, north of Dallas. Um, Friday letter, dear parents, on March 2nd, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced plans to rescind executive order number GA29, commonly known as the mass mandate. Frisco ISD has reviewed guidance from the Texas Education Agency and the Centers for Disease Control, as well as consulted with local health experts as to how this order impacts school districts and what disease mitigation practices should be in place. It is with the information and guidance from these groups, along with careful consideration from the safety of FISD students and staff, that the district will continue to require face coverings for students, staff, and visitors, as has been the case all school year. District data has also consistently shown that the spread of COVID on campus is minimal when face coverings are worn. Unbelievable. They they literally lie. There's no data comparing campuses open with face coverings and not face coverings because they've all been covered all year like they just said. So there's no control group, those damn liars. It's not spreading because kids don't freaking spread it. This is unbelievable. Oh, so masks work. And, and then implicit, it's mentally ill. So so they're saying masks work on campuses with school children, but not among adults. That's kind of interesting. Again, people need to call the Attorney General's office. And again, Representative Matt Schaefer, I, I don't have the number in front of me, but he has a bill to prohibit this you got to push it in the state legislature. This is, this is going to happen in a number of places. It wouldn't surprise me if it's the majority of school districts. And how much is Abbott really going to fight it? Well, when you get up there and give a statement that basically doesn't admit that you are morally, legally, and scientifically wrong about it, you just say cases are low enough. Let's, you know, it doesn't justify it. But implicit in that is that cases are tethered to your rain dance and your moon dance. So if cases do go up, and by the way, that would mean that the vaccine doesn't work. I'm not saying it doesn't, but that would mean it doesn't. Then they'll blame it on us and not them. I don't want to hear this garbage. If you are scared of COVID and you are not doing research on early and prophylactic treatment of hydroxy, ivermectin, melatonin, um, you know, uh, quercetin, vitamin D, vitamin C, all those regimens, zinc is the big one, then you don't give a darn about COVID. Then shut up. I don't want to hear the rain dance and the moon dance. But that that's what's happening. We haven't won yet. It was very heartening to watch Free Idaho, our buddies there. It looks like it did get national attention. The mass burning, we that's what we need more of. The governor there is a tyrant piece of garbage. Lieutenant governor could easily run against him in a primary, but Trump has got to get in there and endorse her. Janice McGeechan. There's a lot of work to be done. The entire movement is sleeping through the legislative sessions in red states, super majorities. I'm only one person. I can only push so much in each state, which is why I need you. So I'm going to send out a letter later today to all of you who signed up at our conaction.network website for you guys to be my eyes and ears on the ground in all the states where GOP control the legislature. And really, you know, to get involved in county level issues as well, elections, we have enough to form groups in most states. It's just going to take a while to get a team leader. We do have a team that we're getting set up in North Dakota with a team leader, so if you are a listener from North Dakota and you haven't signed out up for ConAction.network, now when you do, it will go to our leader there, Amanda, and uh, 
She's helping coordinate with her existing. She already has an existing grassroots. We're going to fold into that. I'm looking at Missouri, Idaho, and Ohio as well. If you are up to the task of coordinating the names we give you into a group and forming your Liberty Task Force, you could always email email me, dharowitz at blazemedia.com or sign up there at the forum and tell us that you're willing to be a team leader because that's really where this is going to be made or, or lost. There's no way me without any paid staff, we have a couple of terrific volunteers, could play in, in 30 states, right? I mean, I just can't. And I got to do my own research and do you know the 30,000-foot messaging. I need people in each state to really be able to coordinate all those of you who sign up to be able to delegate authority, delegate jobs. You do research. You organize meetings with, with legislators. Again, I think in the short term, we need to really focus on legislatures before they get out of session. Then we're going to have to move the fight to counties. But, but this is why it needs to be done. There are so many good ideas. But the notion that the red states are done with, it's not true. It is not true. There are going to be some spikes here and there in some places at a minimum. So they're going to keep this going. They're not going to do what they should be doing. We had the amazing show on Friday with Stephen Petty, one of the top industrial hygienists in the country, talking about the absurdity of mask wearing and how if you really cared about it, you'd spend the money on filtration and and technology that kills the virus, not walking around with the virus but with some cheap cloth mask. If you really cared for a fraction of the money, we could have done that. And that really brings me to the next point I want to make about the stimulus bill that was passed. $1.9 trillion bill. I want to play for you a clip from Senator Roger Marshall, and you'll see why I'm playing it in a minute, from Kansas. He's a Republican from Kansas, talking about the bill. Now, remember, this bill passed along party lines. And, well, actually, before I get to his clip, I just want to make a point about this. Passed along party lines... And they used budget reconciliation to do it. So as of now, they burned that weapon because you, under current Senate rules, you only get one bill a year you could pass through budget reconciliation, which means that you don't need – it's not filibusterable, so to speak. Um, so you only need 51 votes, and they, they passed along party lines with uh, no, no Republican voted for it. So I just first want to make a point. A lot of people were observing that Joe Manchin said he'd only support a bill with bipartisan support, and like always, he lied. You want to know why Joe Manchin is able to get away with being a louse from the state of West Virginia? The reason is because the Republicans are just as bad. You listen to Jim Justice, the Republican governor, He is just as much of a dirtbag as Joe Manchin. He doesn't disagree on the philosophy of dealing with with the virus at all. So that's how he gets away with it, because the Republicans agree in West Virginia. And I don't exactly see the state legislature doing anything about it. So that's with that. But take a listen to Roger Marshall's reaction to the passage of the bill. He's kind of walking along the Capitol steps, filming filming himself. Here's a two-minute clip of him. So walking off the Senate floor uh, after the passing, unfortunate passing, uh, the $2 trillion legislation, uh, money borrowed from our grandchildren, this certainly the worst piece of legislation I've seen come out of uh, D.C. since I've been here. You'd have to go back to the Affordable Care Act and to Dodd-Frank to see anything worse. Um, You know, the same things I've been saying now for several weeks. Uh, less than 10% of these dollars goes as direct aid to those who really need the help. Uh, really, it's an expansion of socialism. That's what this amounts to, is this is the, the extreme left socialist agenda uh, getting money and bringing it uh, to, to fruition. Uh, money in here for uh, you know checks for illegal aliens, uh, expanding unemployment insurance for federal employees. Um, 15 weeks of paid vacation, uh, paid time off for federal employees who, uh, who have child care issues or, or something like that. And I could go on and on about uh, the unfair money grab here, the, the, the earmarks, the pork. I've uh, been up for 36 hours now. 
uh, fighting this bill, or been fighting it for several weeks. Um, just a, a sad day for America. The economy's coming back. We don't need to borrow all this money. We offered a solution. We offered a, a smaller bill that was more targeted. Um, this was totally partisan. Uh, the president never entertained any type of suggestion from Republicans, nor uh, did the Senate or the House Democrats. Uh, this is all on their back. The more America gets to know this bill over the next several years, the more you're going to come to dislike it. Folks, so notice they all go to the wor- the their favorite word. Democrats are passing socialism. If I remember correctly, there were two socialist bills that were identical that Republicans passed when Marshall was in the majority and they controlled the Senate and they had the White House and they passed it. You could find some wrinkles here and there that this bill had that the other two didn't. But he's like, this is the worst bill to ever pass. Dude, what, what do you think happened on March 25th, 2020? That was the first bill. And this is quintessentially what Republicans do to us. They join in with the premise of the left and they pass it themselves when they're in power, when it really mattered, when you could stuff it in the hole. You know, the analogy we've given to ivermectin and hydroxy and zinc, the um, antiviral, anti-inflammatory qualities that it's able to stop viral replication at, at, at at the hole. Republicans had control, and this includes Trump. They had control this time of year, last year, okay? Where they could have stopped the viral replication, not just of the virus by promoting things at work, but the viral replication of this national psychosis and the COVID fascism in the hole by saying, wait a minute, why are we spending, that was a $2 trillion bill, they spent, same thing, underwriting and stimulating a shutdown of our liberties, a lockdown of the economies, rather than holding hearings on the actual science of what is the virus, who does it affect, what actually works and doesn't work, and they would have realized that we spent trillions of dollars creating that very socialism. All of this stuff he talks about, unemployment benefits, we did that already. Democrats are just continuing what you guys started. Suddenly now that they lost control, there ain't nothing as principled as a Republican hopelessly out of power. And I bring this up because, again, Republicans have super majorities. They have trifecta control in 24 states. They have legislatures in 31. They have super legislatures in 19. How many of them are countering it? On Thursday, I put out my own stimulus package, what that would look like. Making these drugs over the counter, sending out to every American a kit of supplements and stuff that's been proven to work with clear instructions what to take prophylactic, prophylactically what to take, you know, when you test positive at an early stage. And to prohibit, use the 14th Amendment, Section 5, which gives Congress the power to block states from violating privileges and immunities of Americans, block all these mandates. That's a stimulus bill. And then, remember a year ago this time, I said to myself, look, I knew Republicans were going to piss away $2 trillion. But I said, at least get something for it. At least get a deal to not shut down businesses and to have five year, a five-year moratorium on certain regulations and taxation for businesses. Meaning, if you're going to go into debt, at least do it in a way that will stimulate and incentivize growth. Instead, they just gave free money, often to people who didn't need it, people that weren't out of work. I guess I'm getting a third round of checks. I got four kids. I didn't lose any salary. Instead, I'll use it for our ConAction.network. To get this going. But you understand. Roger Marshall. In many ways embodies this. If you remember. This is the guy. Who was put up by Big Ag. To beat Tim Hulescamp. Who was a solid conservative. He beat him in the house. And then when he became a congressman. After a few years he ran for senate. He's part of that system. 
they vote for socialism when it matters. When it no longer matters, they're suddenly like, yeah, kind of stupid. Just like all these conservative commentators that are suddenly coming around to the idea that masks don't work. Yeah, but you guys helped promote it for a year, so now it's kind of too late. Always a day late and a dollar short. All these people. But it's not too late, really. If everyone organized in these state legislatures, there are so many good things we can do to put these bastards on defense. You are the ones that are saying we need to continue to destroy freedom and upend people, destroy people's mental health, the mental health of children. Children, how do they get away with this? With masking children when there is no evidence it's a problem to them and that they spread it and that masks work. And we still get away with it without talking about any of the psychological and behavioral and developmental and physical harms to our children. How do we do that? Very little progress in any legislature. It's not that far away. The difference between getting a bill introduced that that is introduced over the line versus not is the difference of patriots getting on the playing field. It's a lot easier than at a federal level. And look, I'm trying to get people to testify at varying committees, various committees, whether they're doctors or people on masks. And look, if you have people that you think that you're in contact with that are doctors or professionals that could testify, let me know. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to demonstrate that one man with very little resources, I'm trying to just help as much as I can produce some content for the public, but also behind the scenes to try to help and pressure and work with friends in legislatures. And some are our listeners to the show. But why, why am I the only one doing this? I, I, I just, it, it makes no sense what is going on here. But that's where we are. Socialism. The worst bill ever. It's unbelievable. The irony is lost on these guys. They themselves passed a $2 trillion bill and a trillion dollar bill, among other bills. And I said to myself, remember all those shows last March? I said, wait a minute. You are creating this radical premise that this is what needs to be done for the virus. This is the way to deal with it without investigating. I said, like, you already, you know, because they already had passed two other bills that spent billions of dollars, but it wasn't trillions of dollars. So look, you did certain immediate things. You covered people for, you know, if they get sick and they have to leave their job. Let's hold some hearings now before we permanently not just piss away $2 trillion, but underwrite and stimulate a premise that the way you deal with this virus is not by trying to treat the virus, but by locking down every human being and destroying the mental health and the economy, the physical health, and make everyone just a bunch of sheep and bungling fools. Republicans did that. This is what this is why Republicans always dangle in front of us the life and the gun issue, like the legacy issues. They always like, hey, I'm broke, gone. That that's their human shield. The Utah legislature passed constitutional carry, but that's great. We already have gun rights in in, in the red states. That's like the only issue where we're pretty darn close to the constitutional design. No other issue are we anywhere near close to it. Those are the issues that need the triage. And the Utah legislature, they, they left session. They passed a bill, and it's going to be signed by the governor, limiting his powers. Very weak bill. And it says that basically like they can get rid of the mass mandate when it reaches an impossible metric. That's what they passed. Supermajority, now they're out of session. Done. They're out of session for, for the whole year. That's Utah for you. Next door, Wyoming. It's... Uh, Time is ticking. They can't introduce any new bills. There is one good bill by um, Representative Chuck Gray that would terminate any orders, any like mandates under a uh, emergency order after 10 days unless the legislature affirmatively supports it. It's going to get a hearing this week. We'll see what happens. We got some good bills in, in New Hampshire we're looking at. So again, I mean, 
it's I, I feel bad. I don't have enough of a structure to get all these state teams off the ground quickly enough. You know, I'm kicking myself. I didn't do this before the legislative session, so we would have hit the ground running. But again, remember, we had the elections and, you know, I was focused on other things, but but none of our people wanted to hear anything else. And they just weren't going to get motivated because they thought Trump was going to still be president. And that's all that mattered. And frankly, as we well know, even had Trump won, we would have needed to do this because it was all done at a state level. And frankly, at a federal level, uh, this is where it all got started with Mike Pence and Fauci and Burks. And, you know, this is the lesson. Republicans do this to us. So that's basically what's going on with the governors and everything. But it, it, it's just amazing to me. If Republicans really oppose what the Democrats did, all these federally elected Republicans in their respective red states would pressure the governor and the legislators to rectify it. Now, you can't rescind federal funding. That I mean, that, that money is pissed away, but I'm talking about more the policies, the tyranny, because they don't oppose it. They just didn't like that a couple of the expenditures were for this and not for that. They were fundamentally okay with spending almost as much money, so spend $1.5 trillion instead of $2 trillion. Fundamentally okay with, with spending money on, on all this stuff. Oh, don't bail out the blue states because they're doing lockdown. Well, the red states aren't that too far behind either. And again, just going back to what I said before, if you're in one of the states where they got the mandate off, watch your school district. Don't assume that you're done. You're not. You got to fight for it. So that's with that. Now, I want to move on to a couple of other items just to quickly catch up lightning round of some of the latest COVID stuff that we've seen over the weekend. My buddy Andy Bostom put this out, and he really, as a medical researcher, studies the literature a lot and all the new studies coming out. And uh, not surprisingly, <laughs> when it comes to remdesivir, um, there was a new meta-analysis out of all the random random controlled trials published in peer-reviewed journals as of February 21st, and you add them all together in a meta-analysis. They studied the impact of remdesivir among hospitalized patients with 28-day mortality, right? So 28-day mortality average, and they found um, nothing, absolutely nothing um just just nothing so did not show reduced mortality in hospitalized patients with covid-19 who received remdesivir further research is needed to clarify the role of remdesivir therapy in the management of covid-19 and and again like this is the thing that is 100% the only protocol for treatment in the hospitals so think about this all this other stuff that's a fraction of the cost they either won't look at will take down videos of people advocating for them or censor them or have porn stars pay for fabricated research to discredit it but when you have something that is a new drug and it's a fortune and there's no evidence ever shown that it helps that's the end all i mean how how much longer could we go on like this and what's shocking is the more I speak with people, just random people that I know, friends that I know, you know, I haven't seen each other in a while, and I get into conversation about this, it's shocking how, you know, even people that are genuinely, I mean, most people I know are are conservative, um, you know, politically, but, you know, they, they when it comes to the virus, they're scared, and they only know what's put out there. I'm like, you know, if you're worried about the virus, and some of these people are on the older side, I say, look, uh, do, do you know about ivermectin? Do you know about the zinc protocols? And curcetin, um, if you can't get hydroxychloroquine. And they look at me like I'm from Mars. Like, yeah, I never heard that before. This is so sad. We're spending trillions of dollars stimulus, and we don't even empower the people to take control of their own health care. And, of course, it's done by design. So, again, that's another interesting point there. Um, let's see what else we got in our, as Rush used to say, his stack of stuff. We got 
Alex Berenson put out, you know, former New York Times reporter put out a very interesting point here that I think can't be ignored. And that is he got emails from FAA air traffic controllers who say that their insistence on wearing masks, it muffles people's voices. You know, when you're over a a radio or something, you're already kind of muffled. You put a mask on that and it's, it's a big safety concern. It's a big safety problem. I'm an air traffic controller for the FAA. This is from an email sent in. I work at one of our ARTCCs, which are in route facilities. We work massive amounts of airspace covering the entire country and a large part of the oceanic space outside our borders. Um, we used to have guidance on masks saying essentially wear them around the building when you can't maintain six feet or wear them in position if you have another controller working your sector with you or training someone, most controllers remove them when talking directly to pilots, um, which obviously, you know, that's that that's obvious that you're going to want to do that. Now, as of a month ago, that guidance has been increased to wear them at all times while at work in position, unless you have an office and you're in there by yourself. There's also a catchphrase around the building on posters: "Mask up for the mission." We sit in a room with the same group of people most of the day. Everyone wears different types of face coverings and is pulling them down on and off. The FAA provides some homemade cloth masks about a year ago, but that's it. The reason for this email is that now the op supervisors and air traffic managers are making sure we're wearing them while speaking directly to pilots. For context, our headsets use a boom microphone that adjusts to sit somewhere an inch or two away from our face. It has created an, an, an issue where we get a lot of more read back errors from pilots on instructions because they can't hear us clearly over the radio. To be clear, this happened before masks were added to the picture. Our radios transmit from various points on the ground and things like terrain, weather, distance from the pilot create comms issues already, not to mention the pilots have a lot to think about and have a tough time hearing us sometimes as it is. Our instructions are almost always time or or safety critical sometimes down to seconds, a bad readback or failure to even copy can cause a lot of problems when you're busy because we use up more time to correct them. And uh, that's where they are. The FAA cares more about virtue signaling than the, the most severe consequences of safety protocol breakdowns. Not once has the FAA addressed the issue of adding a communication barrier to the operation. I've reported getting bad readbacks and told my supervisor that pilots can't hear me or understand me. It's not all the time, but it's noticeable. Not only that, we work a lot of foreign pilots, so they need to hear us clearly. That's a very important point. I mean, you know, when you're dealing with someone that speaks a different language and their English is kind of broken or is accented in a way that's hard to tell what they're saying, that just adds more confusion to it. So that was a very fascinating point. And, you know, to me, what this brings out is what I've been saying for a long time, and that is we are only beginning to imagine all of the downstream um effects of everything we did for COVID fascism on things we could have never imagined. We focused on the obvious, the panic. So you make people mentally ill, the depression, the suicide, the drug overdoses, the missed physical care and all that. But, you know, what about other safety things? And, and, you know, we talked about this a little bit with the weather issue in Texas with the breakdown of the power plants and the fact that safety inspections weren't done because of COVID and, Now we're seeing with air traffic controllers. Another interesting thing sent by a listener of ours who works for the National Weather Service. So they do kind of these after-action immediate follow-ups after natural disasters, suspected tornadoes or floods, things like that. So they dispatch NWS officials to go and survey a given area of operation, the damage, right? You know, what... um, just just what what went on there and things like that and because of those because of uh these uh new priorities they now have to go out and do it on their own so you can imagine you need a few people you have to drive 
And often when you're driving, like if you're surveying the damage of a tornado, obviously there's going to be a lot of downed trees and power lines in that area of operation. So it's not easy to drive. You got to drive, you got to watch, you got to observe, you got to take notes, and you got to relay back to station, right? So typically they had a driver and then like another guy navigating and doing some of that other stuff. But now, well, you can't have two people in the same car, right? Cause of COVID. So the, the person going out and doing it does it alone. Again, it, it, it there's probably millions of examples and micro examples of deleterious effects from obsessively focusing on every person being a threat, no matter their health status, no matter whether they had the virus, whether they have symptoms, whether they had the vaccine, and of course, if we cared so much, we'd push prophylaxis, meaning if you're treating everyone who is um, you know, not symptomatic of anything as potentially a problem, then at least try to treat them. <laughs> to treat everyone with harmless prophylaxis. But of course, no. Again, this is the greatest civilization blunder and crime against humanity we cannot begin to imagine the trickle-down effects of what they've done. So that's with that. Another interesting thing, news on variants. Again, from Andy Bostom, he has always great news. Uh, not, not necessarily it's good news, but I mean informative news. Denmark. Denmark is one of those countries that is almost all, not almost all, but 76% of their cases are now the B117 Kent UK variant. Okay, well, the number of COVID-19 cases are down 53%, and hospitalizations and deaths are down even more since that has become the predominant strain. Now, again, it's not to say that this strain is less of a problem necessarily, but it is to say that the virus has a natural up and down, and clearly the variant is not altering that so again but you know none of this stuff is going to get out to the public none of it none of it we are altering everything we do for a lie except when it comes to legal immigration of course i don't know if you guys saw cdc is allowing shelters that handle illegal immigrants to expand to 100% capacity, abandoning their 50% requirement that they had in place until now. <laughs> oh, man. You got to love it. And what happens if illegal is not wearing a mask? Do you think for a minute there's a Karen going up to them, yelling at them? I'd love to see that. I'd pay, I'd pay money for it. So that's with that. Um, as always, we're also watching some of the vaccine news carefully, you know, to me, it is a little funny with given the percentage of seniors that have been vaccinated in place like Israel, it's like a hundred percent. We should be seeing an 80 to 90% reduction in deaths, even relative to the reduced, you know, the, the lower part of the curve which we're on now you know i think we need another couple weeks to really judge it but um again we we can't trust anything they tell us about the efficacy and the side effects just like they're lying to us about everything remember the vaccine is experimental it's emergency use authorization that's what it's called this other stuff everything from zinc Divermectin and everything else. Hydroxychloroquine, it's been approved and used billions of times. But they treat that as if it's experimental and they treat the experimental as if it's, you know, proven. And finally, you know, coming back to what we started the show with. Do people even value their freedom anymore? Do they even want to be a free people? And I've warned you, this will keep going on and on. This is from Dayton 247 now, Dayton's Dayton, Ohio's local news. Pediatrician warns parents for a spike in common cold cases. 
as Ohio students return to in-person learning. Pediatric experts warn parents for the return of common colds. Quote, we do typically see increased rates of infectious illnesses in kids when they return in group care settings, such as school or daycare after breaks from group care, says Dr. Tim Freeman, pediatrician co-owner at Ohio Pediatrics and Kettering. Typically, these breaks are for summer and winter vacations, but in 2021, it was a return to in-person learning after months of isolated learning at home. So, um, we've seen a total of one confirmed case of RSV, respiratory um, uh, syncytial virus, here at Dayton Children's Hospital the entire season, which typically is a significant, significant number. As the winter common colds near their end, the common spring colds and diseases are expected to arrive. Rhinovirus and enterovirus. So now, remember when they were like, Daniel, how dare you compare this to a flu, much less a cold. And now not only are they saying we're going to start panicking, we can't live, we're going to be snowflakes for the rest of our life for, for the flu, for a freaking cold, the rhinovirus. This is not me saying it. This is, this is these guys are saying it. No, he's not concerned about masking kids and the bacteria and the cultivation of strep throat. He's not concerned about the mental health as a pediatrician. He's concerned about the common cold. Again, you will not convince these people. They need to be defeated. We need to take our destiny in our own hands. There is no herd immunity for herd mentality. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Um, you know, there's a good article by Ethan Yang at the American Institute for Economic Research that is titled along these lines, Do We Still Have the Will to Continue as a Free Society? I'm just going to read some excerpts from this. To paraphrase the Soviet dissident and human rights activist Natan Sharansky, what it meant to be a loyal Soviet citizen was to say what you're supposed to say to read what you're permitted to read and to vote the way you're supposed to vote and to know it was all a lie. That chilling sentiment contrasts sharply with what it means to be a citizen of the free world, be it America, Europe, or other liberal democratic friends across the world. Sharansky's line echoes the way in which the debate regarding COVID and lockdowns has transpired primarily in the U.S., but certainly across the Western world. Just look at the way Oxford epidemiologist Sinatra Gupta has been treated for critiquing lockdowns. The other day I was revisiting former President Trump's Poland speech, which is widely regarded as one of his finest orations. As someone who hasn't been the biggest fan of the former president, and this is Yang speaking, and his bombastic and often reckless statements, that speech struck me as unexpectedly inspiring. He spoke about how Poland, a nation that has been torn apart and carved into pieces by war and conquest, always found a way to keep coming back together past hundred years alone, Poland was split in two by the Nazi by Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union leading up to World War II. Then after the war, Poland became a Soviet satellite state. Its people, once again, subject to domination. Trump noted, quote, Through four decades of communist rule, Poland and the other captive nations of Europe endured a brutal campaign to demolish freedom. Your youth, your laws, your history, your identity, indeed the very essence of your culture and your humanity. Yet through it all, you never lost that spirit. Your oppression tried to break you. Your oppressors tried to break you, but Poland could not be broken. And he goes on to compare America. Compare America to, America to what's going on. And um, <clears throat> America under lockdown may be the most critical threat the nation has ever seen. It has long been known that America's size and location combined with its military might leaves it almost impervious to conquest. Furthermore, if occupied by a foreign power, it is likely that much like Poland, the American people would fight to reclaim their country. But what happens when subjugation is imposed by our own leaders to the approval of many of their fellow citizens? That is a true threat. And, um, and again, I'm just uh, picking stuff out here. You should read the whole thing yourself. Two weeks to flatten the curve is now approaching a year under lockdown. Some politicians are pushing the usage of masks and these policies well into the next year. What started out as an experiment in public health policy is now unraveling what it means to live in a free society. 
This is this is a big problem. This, folks, is not going to end. Such uninformed hysteria around COVID sounds less like a concern for stopping the virus and more of a cultural wedge against traditional American ideas of individual liberty. Sadly, it seems that many members of the public are either afraid or apathetic when it comes to preserving and reclaiming the free society that is our birthright. Poland is a shining example of a raw desire to exist as a coherent civilization after being dismembered time and again. Today, that same question exists for America and the rest of the Western world world generally. Do we have the will to continue to exist as a free and polite society steeped in the ideas of liberty, reason, and justice? Or have we succumbed to a tragic case of civilizational fatigue where we are now disinterested in holding on to what we used to be? Without a serious commitment to reclaiming our freedom and prosperity, we put ourselves on the path towards becoming a washed-up, has-been civilization weighed down by an authoritarian boot of our own design. And I couldn't have said it better. Again, that is Ethan Yang of American Institute for Economic Research. Now, the interesting thing is, I feel the same way. He's obviously more of a libertarian, but I got to give AIER credit for being one of the only libertarian groups that fought lockdowns vigorously and put out good information. Kudos to them. Now, me not being a libertarian in that sense, but being a traditional constitutional conservative, I will say, and I, and I suspect that the overwhelming majority of you agree with me, that what some of the libertarians miss is that you know when they compare us to Poland, they're missing a little uh, one factor. The Polish are very proud because they do, they didn't have balkanization like we did in America the last number of decades where we just balkanized our society and destroyed our culture. We destroyed it through the feminazi movement, the homosexual agenda. We destroyed it through obviously, you know, the America, the education system, a certain amount was done through the immigration system as well. But again, a lot of it happened from within, even without the balkanization through immigration, but you put it all together and that's part of the problem. We don't feel proud of our nation. We don't have a problem destroying it. Uh, so the, there, there is an element of that too. I would, I would argue, you can't have cultural rock gut and then somehow libertarian freedoms, and that's what some of the professional libertarians, in my view, miss. But again, the broader message is very, very true, and we're going to find that out in the coming weeks. This is it. These weeks are going to determine whether we live as a free people. Um, this is the opportunity. You know, the vaccine, whether you love it, hate it, or are agnostic, either way, it's the opportunity. Because if you are into the vaccine, well, then there's no excuse. And if we're still going to continue it after then, we're done. We are done. And especially when you see the talk about the flu and now rhinoviruses, they're going to keep this going. So when you hear these haphazard remarks from these Republicans like, yeah, let's not go this far. Let's have kids back in school. But of course, we're going to mask them. Remember, in Governor Tate Reeves' order in Mississippi, you understand he put in his order for masking to continue in school. So he literally has adults where they're now exempt from the mask mandate. He took it off, but not for kids. Exactly backwards. I mean, it should be off for everyone, but you get my point. Even Mississippi... The kids, it's written in the order. They have to still wear masks in school. So we've gone nowhere. We've gained very little ground, especially relative to the drop in cases and everything, we, and, and, and the vaccine. We really, if you look carefully, we've barely gained anything even in the reddest of states. Again, I wish I could do more, but I think you know as one person I'm, I'm trying we have a thousand people signed up for conaction.network. It's going to take a while to organize the state teams, and in each state, we'll have to, you know, team leader will have to organize what to, you know, or how to properly subdivide it. But it, you know, it only helps the more names we get. Again, if you're a potential team leader, you'd love to sacrifice some time, and it will take time to help coordinate all these names, organize the meetings with your group, and then you know, help gather ideas to fight the different ideas. I'm going to put out a quick um, outline of what 
you know, what we can do. So watch for my email, conaction.network. You could always email me personally at dharowitz at blazemedia.com. I do get a lot large volume, so it might just be a very quick, terse response. Um, I apologize for that. It's, you know, gone are the days where we were really able to communicate more uh, readily. I just don't, I don't have anyone helping me, but you guys have been a tremendous help. Again, this is the start of another busy week. Thanks for listening. Send this show to every one of your friends and relatives. Give us a five-star rating at iTunes. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. Listening.